Welcome to Black Girls World. I'm Nishé. This is me and my friends talking about things that are important to us. I hope it resonates with you, and if it doesn't, skip it. Today I'm talking with my friend Shannon about grief, loneliness, and friendship. Stay around. Shannon, are you there? I am. Hello, hello. Hi, how are you? I'm doing wonderfully. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for doing this. Of course. So Shannon and I have been friends for what feels like forever. (laughs) Um, We met in college and have been friends since, right? Yeah. What is that? 15 years ago? My God. Oh, it feels like it seems like so long when you say it in numbers. (laughs) Um, But Shannon, I'm not sure if I've ever like spoken this to you before, but I remember very clearly the very first time I've ever saw you. And I promise I'm not a creep, but <laughs> memory just, I have, you know, I have a really bad memories, but this one stands out in my head. So um, it was like, it was either Bearfax orientation or those first couple of days when you move into the dorms, but there's no class yet. And- Oh my goodness, the table. Yeah, 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 the tabling. So there's all these orgs organizations that are tabling or they have little tables where the newbie, the freshmen can come find out what their organization is about and they can sign up if they want to express interest. So we're walking around there and I go to sign up for African Student Alliance, but you're already at the table and you're a stranger (laughs) just like me. We're 17. I'm 17. Were you 17? I was 17. Yes. Yeah. So we weren't even, (laughs) we weren't even babies, um, legal adults yet. Um, and I just remember this because um, you were just like so confident. And I'm 17. I had just recently been through some trauma I won't get into, but like I just don't know who I am yet. And I'm just like in awe of this girl who is so sure of herself as she tells the people at the table that she is a poet because they're talking <laughs> about Grio Night. And so I just, I don't know. I always I think about that sometimes about how, and you, you're still like this, very confident and very like certain you know, and it's one of my favorite things about you. So yeah, I just think that's amazing. Oh my goodness. Firstly, Grio night. Wow. <laughs> Good times, right? <laughs> wow. It's so strange to hear someone else's perception of, you know, I remember, I remember that day and I remember walking up to that table and being terrified and really? it was just like absolutely terrified. And in my mind, I just knew that, you know, I'm brand new to this school. This is what I wanted to do. And I was determined to find my tribe. And I, I was just prepared to go into battle and explain why I deserved to be there and who I was and what I was about. And that, that's just, it's so funny to hear your, um, your memory of that day but I remember that day so clearly that's funny that you were scared because what you said about like I'm ready to go to battle and show that this is who I am like that's it came off like like you, <laughs> you sold it like that was great oh my goodness <laughs> so Shannon um one of the I want to talk to you about a lot of things like I there are so many things that I think um our audience could benefit from hearing from you um, but one of the things is you work in death care, which is kind of an unexpected profession. I do. Um, can you say just a little bit about what you do? Yeah, um, I'm, a, I'm a licensed funeral director. Um, we go by alternate terms, mortician, undertaker, 
um, all those things. And um, I, I've been licensed since 2010. I've been working since in death care since 2009, uh, so just over 10 years. And really, really the essence of what I do is we, we shepherd families through the most tumultuous times of their lives. And we guide them to make, you know, the right decision or guide them to make decisions, I should say, in how to prepare to say goodbye to their loved ones. And that can be, you know, all of the bells and whistles of a traditional service, or it can be a simple direct cremation. But uh, we guide those families in making sure that they're making well-informed choices on behalf of their loved ones that they've lost. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. And um you know how people talk about uh, compassion fatigue? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, um, it's so interesting. I, I would imagine that something like that would take a toll on you in some ways. It can, it can. It definitely took me some time to sort of learn how to balance the two and how to not necessarily leave work at work, but be able to give everything I have to the families who need it, but still come home and refill my cup and be ready to do it again the next day. And again, not for, it's not without, you know, not for lack of trying and not for lack of error, I should say. Uh, Definitely spent some years banging my head against the wall and feeling burnt out and feeling just completely drained. And so it it definitely, it definitely took a lot of practice and a lot of hard conversations with myself and, you know, my friends and you <laughs> to, <I> can help. <laughs> to really get to a point where I, I am able to serve these families and support my team while still making sure I'm taking care of me. Wow. Yeah, I, I think that in, in a profession like that and or like in education or any time that your your job is really to support others, it, it it's probably really important to make sure you're also giving yourself that love and support too, just so you don't burn out or, you know, get sick. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I really, um, you have a, have a blog about this exact thing actually. And I really love that blog because um, something as delicate as death, you, you kind of approach it in this unflinching way that's super honest, but it still conveys empathy and care. And so Thank I just you. think it's super gripping to read each week. Um, yeah. Thank plug you. it really, plug it in there really quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I have a blog. It's called I Do Death. Um, it's idodeath.com. And I started doing what's called Mortuary, Mo- what I call Mortuary Mondays, where every Monday it's a little post. It's a story. Sometimes it's a story about a family that I've served, which has always been, you know, we, we always change the details to protect the identity and, of course, the privacy of the family. So some things are tweaked in there. But sometimes it's a story about something that touched me. Sometimes it's something that I think would be helpful to the people. Sometimes mama's in a mood and she just needs to vent. And um, it just, I I honestly really only expected a few of my friends and like maybe my mom to read it. Mm. And it just kind of ballooned into this thing where if if I, I took a hiatus at the beginning of the pandemic because it was just so hectic and I was getting DMs and text messages like, where's our mortuary Monday? So it's kind of therapeutic to read it. I think it's, and I think that's really cool. Just little nuggets, you know, very short. I I try to be intentional about the pieces and make them very short. So that way they don't take up, you know, too much time, too much of people's days, just little quick Mm -hmm. nuggets here and there. And um, it just really, again, it just turned into a thing. And I just sort of want to open the door 
for people to talk about death in a way that we felt or we've been taught wasn't appropriate, especially black people, specifically black people that we've always been taught that we don't, we don't want to talk about it because, Oh, you'll speak it into existence or you'll introduce it into our lives or, (laughs) or something (laughs) like that. And it's okay to talk about it. And I think the reason why people are so afraid about afraid of it, afraid of death is that, we have never been given a safe space to discuss our thoughts about it, our feelings about it, children. Mm -hmm. And it goes deep. I mean, children have have been taught for generations to be seen and not heard, but we, you know, we're, we're having to do performing these rituals and we don't know why, and we don't know, you know, the meaning behind it. And it just, it, it, I feel like we needed a space for, for people of color, specifically black people. Again, I want to be very Mm -hmm. intentional about that. Yes, girl. <laughs> to to show them it, it's okay. It's okay to to confront this scary thing and be comfortable about it. Be comfortable with it because if we don't talk about it, of course we fear it because we don't know anything. Ignorance ignorance is a it's a breeding ground for fear. And definitely. And I'm trying to pull that blanket off and you know pull the veil back. I guess is a is a better phrase and really give people the space to talk about how they feel, talk about what their, you know, what their uh, discomfort is with death and mortality. And it's the one thing that, or one of the very few things that we have in common as human beings, it surpasses class, it surpasses race, it surpasses religion, all going to die. So why aren't we talking about it? That is a question that needs answers. And I think that you've done a great job in that particular blog about um, of creating that space, like you said, for us to investigate this thing that we're super curious about, but aren't really allowed to talk about, you know? And it is it is something about, um, we don't want to speak it into existence, or if we pay too much attention to it, we're going to draw it to us, or all these superstitions kind of um, that that prevent us from really learning how to deal with it. Right. You know, and then, and then we, you, when you lose someone you love, you just are are stuck as to how to even approach the grief of it all. Absolutely. And it's, it's an added weight, I think, on people who are confronted with it and they're not prepared for it. And so not only do you have the, the weight of loss on you, you're also confronted. I think a lot of people don't know what goes into not only planning a funeral, but settling an estate. Mm. Um, closing out accounts and you're just confronted with all of the not only emotions but the logistics right and nobody knows what to do and it's sort of I, I I kind of took it on as you know a mission of sorts to really inform people like this is something we need to know how to do and just like how you know if something bad happens to you at work, the world doesn't stop. Or if you go through a breakup, the world doesn't stop. If someone important to you dies, the rent is still due on the first. Mm. Your job will still expect you to report on Monday. Yeah. And as you're closing the accounts, if you make a mistake, oh, the IRS will still come for you. Right. And yeah. And people don't talk about that or know that. It's a whole, there's a whole other side to it that just kind of falls by, you know, it's, it gets swept under the rug in a sense. Definitely. Um, while we're talking about grief, grief, we know grief is a bitch. Um, <laughs> and you, you have a book with a similar title. Um, I, I'm wondering, what's one thing you make sure to tell every grieving person you encounter? 
Oh my goodness. Um, I'll start with the, with the first question. One thing that I make it a point to tell people who are grieving is that there's no wrong way to do it. Mm. And I think that again, speaking specific as a black woman, I can only speak to, you know, the black experience, but Mm -hmm. I've noticed that what tends to happen when someone dies is we throw them that cute little, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm keeping you in my prayers. If it's on Facebook or Instagram, you get the praying hands emojis and then oh, Lord. we've done our duty, we're done, and we don't have to think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I find that when I come across people who are grieving, having been through my own, you know, personal bouts of grief, that right. people hit you with the I'm sorry for your loss, or they'll ask you how you're holding up, and then they expect you to, they don't want, they don't care, they don't want, I mean, maybe they do care, but they don't want to know how you're really doing. They don't, they want, don't want to hear the ugliness no, of it. No, they don't want to hear, well, you know, I haven't slept in four days or um, the only way I can feel anything is to like take a shot of tequila or, you know, mm-hmm. I can barely put my shoes on or whatever. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear, oh, you know, I'm hanging in there. I'm doing my best. God is good, right? right? That's what totally. people want to hear. And um, I've, I've, I've tried to make it a point to tell people there's no wrong or right way to grieve. If you are sad, be sad. If you want to cry, cry. If you don't, don't. If you're angry, then smash something. If you yeah. need to feel like you're accomplishing something, make a list. If you feel like doing no- do nothing, then do nothing. And mm-hmm. also that it hits you in waves. I, I try to tell people not to feel guilty for the joyful moments, the joyful waves that will hit them through grief. I remember um, when I I lost my fiance uh, three weeks before our wedding, very suddenly. Mm -hmm. And I would be, I'd have days where I felt like I was just sort of on autopilot where it kind of the, the, um, the noise on the rest of the world was turned down and I was just moving in slow motion. And then Mm -hmm. I would think of something very randomly and I would just start laughing, like something really stupid, like, um, (laughs) I would, I remember one time I was unloading the dishwasher in my old apartment and there were rubber bands on one of the skillets. And I remember my fiance used to get these big industrial rubber bands that he would use to wrap cords in. And he was very meticulous about making them, you know, keeping them clean. And Mm -hmm. he would wrap them on the skillets of our pans, like on the handles of our skillets and put them in the dishwasher so they would get cleaned with the rest of the dishes. And I remember, I remember finding one and my aunt who was staying with me at the time was just like, why are there rubber bands in your dishwasher? And I just started laughing uncontrollably and like could not stop. (laughs) And, and moments like that, waves like that will hit you and you just kind of have to ride them out. Um, it, it, it comes for the high moments and the low moments. You'll have, you know, random songs that'll play when you're in the, you know, when you're in the frozen aisle at Trader Joe's and it's just going to hit you and you have to let it hit you wow. and ride it out. But um, yes, I would, that, that's my very long way of, you know, giving what the one thing I would say to someone is, I suppose. You know, that <laughs> advice is so good. And it's interesting that all of it, uh, there are parallels between, um, that and dealing with depression where, you know, people don't want to hear about it really. And the advice, the good best advice is to give yourself grace to feel it. However you feel it. I just, I love what you said. And and another thing is that grief is like you mentioned, grief is a bitch. Uh, 
you know, she's selfish and rude and hostile and inconvenient. And, yeah. and that's really when I wrote the another shameless plug, when I wrote the coffee table book, um, I was trying to name it. And I, I just sort of made a list of all of the things that grief made me feel. And I was trying to put a face to it. And it just hit me. It's, it barges in and it takes over your life just like that bitch you can't stand. And she can fight too. And she can fight. Oh, mama has hands. <laughs> <laughs> so sad, but so true. Yeah. And I remember um, when, you know, when my, when Matt died, I did a lot of searching for something that could help me grapple with what I was feeling and nothing was quite working. And with every, I'm sorry for your loss or with every, Oh, it's absent with the body present with the Lord. I, I, Oh God. I just, no. I was ready to throat punch anyone who said that to me. Yeah. I bet. And I was looking for a lot of like self-help books or books on grief or articles and nothing really hit home for me. And I started to realize that there really isn't anything for black women in particular Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I did what I, what always made me feel better. And, you know, I like to write and I get my thoughts on paper and I sat down and just started writing. And what came out was a blur, just a flurry of thoughts, um, a bunch of fictional scenarios. And they, I mean, they induce real feeling. And what I ended up with was five very short stories. Each short story personified one of the five stages of grief and they're unrelated but it just sort of was how I was feeling. And so I put it out, I wrote it and it made me feel better. And I was sending it to a couple of friends to read and they were just like, you should publish this. So I did. You did it. So I did. Yeah, I have it. It's great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so Shannon, I'm at this weird stage in my life where um, I feel younger than I am. And I'm a, I'm technically an adult, like an old adult at that Um by society standards, but I still, there's just so much I haven't figured out. And all my personal relationships are kind of like transforming in some ways that I don't really like. Like you live in LA and I go months and months and months without seeing you. Um, I know. It's like that for most of my friendships. It's really sad actually. (laughs) So I'm just wondering how like your relationships have transformed over the years and how that's affected you. Um, I think, so I think um, I will say this. I think that, Yes, our relationships have transformed. I think life kind of happens. And we were very fortunate to be in the same space that we were, especially during our college years, because we're in that fishbowl where we're thrown into situations together. And it just it feels like we're making connections so much easier. And right. now that we're older, we have to put the effort into main- building and maintaining these connections But at the same time, I feel like they mean a lot more. Like I may go months and months and months without seeing you, but you know, we text regularly. And even if we don't talk very regularly, if you guys, I'm a snitch on you to your listeners. Nishe does not answer the phone. Wait a minute. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Except (laughs) Except for a select number of people. But I will say that I, at one point, it had been, I think maybe at least six months since I'd seen you. And I was in a really bad place. I was in the, you know, right smack dab in the middle of grief. I was back at work, um, at, at work at the same place that cremated my fiance, if we can be 100% honest. Oh, and I was new back to work. 
And I just, I was breaking down. I didn't know what was happening to me. I didn't know what was happening. And I felt like I couldn't breathe. And the first thing I did was I called Nache after months of not talking to her. I called Nache and she was able to tell me, you know, you're having a panic attack. And she just instantly walked me through some grounding exercises and was able to bring me back to a place where I was calm enough to go back to work. And honestly, I, I think to me that has more value than building relationships with some random person at some random job that you may have for a time. It's really about maintaining the connections that we've made. And I think that speaks to our relationships, specifically speaking about you and I, about how it's transformed and how it stayed strong, uh, even though we live so far apart and we're not able to connect as often as we'd like to. And I've noticed that over the years, my circle has gotten smaller, but it's gotten stronger. And wow, I've, I've placed, I think, a higher value in the relationships that I have with certain members of my family. I have cousins that I were just dis- I was distant with growing up and we're very close now um I spend a lot of time with my mom I spend a lot of time with you know my close-knit group and it just makes me really pour into the people that are currently in my life and it also this may not be the best advice it makes me wary of newer people entering it it yeah, really definitely. does uh, two things. The first thing is not you making me cry on my own show. <laughs> Don't appreciate it. Because I definitely remember that panic oh. attack situation. And, yeah, I don't want to get into it. But anyway, um, I like what you said about um, the transformation of your relationships. And I really hadn't looked at it that way that the relationships we've been able to maintain are actually getting deeper. Because we're, we're growing up, real things are happening to us. We're able to support each other through those things. So I, I guess I didn't look at it that way. Um, that, yeah, I had, um, you know, it was easier to make connections back during college because we're all around each other all the time. But that, that now um, those relationships are just getting stronger. So, that, yeah, I, I love the perspective. I appreciate that. Um, don't <laughs> on me, man. <laughs> I know. I shouldn't. I shouldn't yeah. have double listened. I'm like trying not to like, sniffle. I'm trying not to sniffle in the in the mic. Like no. I shouldn't have double listened, doubled back, and re-listened to the other two episodes because I was listening to your episode with Melissa and just getting in my feelings. And I'm just like, oh, I miss Melissa. I uh, right. I mean, luckily, like I've seen I've seen Melissa recently. Um, I had to do a focus group for um, the cosmetics, and Melissa drove down, but. Um, yeah, like I, I, you can go a year or two and you haven't seen your friend in real life. So it's very difficult, um, which brings me to my next point. Uh, I'm really freaking lonely out here, man. Um, the other day I posted on Instagram this question that said, what's the saddest thing you do to cope with oh, your we're loneliness? Doing this, huh? And what's, uh, girl, I'm not, I'm not about to tell my answer. Don't tell yours. Uh, <laughs> let's, I, I'm just going to say that it was interesting to me how many people responded to me and the different types of people that responded. Like some were men, some were women, some were married, which was interesting because it's like, I always thought like when you have a person in your house, how can you be lonely? But you can, yeah. right? Um, and so what I'm wondering is... Um, has it always been like this or are we, or is it like uh, my perspective is off? Um, are we, are we, am, are, is our loneliness amplified because of the weird 2020 pandemic situation? 
Like, are you going through this too? I can't get anybody new to be my friend or, you know, I don't want to be friends with anybody new. They're scary. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, what's well, going you're on? definitely not alone. I think, I think 2020 has uh, really just punched a lot of us in the tit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's the way I can explain it. <laughs> I and <felt> <laughs> um, I, I, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with the current climate, but even removed, just, I remember trying to, to make connections. And, and once I, I felt like I got to a place where I was ready to, you know, introduce someone new and, and kind of go down that path romantically, I realized, I felt like a fish out of water. Like I didn't know what I was doing. Everyone's on these apps now. I didn't want to do that. And it just, it felt very, it. it felt very, surface like just surface conversation nothing really nothing of of much substance and and I I kind of found myself getting to a place where it's like man are all y'all really like trash like this it's (laughs) like the roaches there's just so many and so I mean this is going to sound very cheesy eat pray lovey but I learned to sort of get comfortable being by myself because I definitely am I like to say I'm an ambivert. Everyone else says I'm an extrovert. I feel like I'm an extrovert that needs to recharge. But yeah. I, I like to have, the thing is, I like having small numbers of people in my space. I keep my circle small. But with the people that I like in my space, I like to see them all the time. Yeah, I get that. So it's like once I've decided that you are my person or you are one of my, you know, select you're, you're in my group of trusted friends then it's just like why do we need new people <laughs> but totally I've, you know yeah I but i'm that. definitely learning but the old people are busy. this is true this is true everybody's uh, you know everybody has their own lives and um they're pairing up and <laughs> i'm definitely learning to explore different things that i wouldn't have otherwise like learning how to do new things hobbies or reading books or whatever, just kind of not waiting for other people to do things that I want to do. Now, as far as COVID, COVID's been rough, Um, especially because I work a lot, you know, and I've had to be extra cautious um, because, you know, my line of work does put me in direct, direct, um, direct line for, you know, possible contact. So exposure, thank Mm -hmm. you. So I, I've definitely had to be extra careful. I have a very small group of, I can maybe count on one hand the number of people who have seen my full face all year. <laughs> right. So it's a very <laughs> small group of mascot <laughs> friends. But um, th- it's been rough. It's been rough. And I, I think that's like a, it's a double-edged sword. It's a blessing and a curse. I have friends, that, a lot of friends that are very successful and doing very well. But that also means that they're very busy and you know they're not always available and so I I don't really have an answer um I just sort of kind of hold on to the fact that this is not permanent and that you know the connections that I have will last through this as far as relationships girls girl I'm a hot mess I don't know (laughs) oh no I don't know either I, I don't think I'll ever have an answer to that, um, I mean, as far as hobbies go, I've started quilting. I keep starting businesses. I don't, I don't know. Um, but my last question for you, and it's f- first, I got some comments, Shannon. Um, you're one of my most Aww. solid friends. 
Don't I know. Tell I'm you sorry. You, put, you know, you put me in okay. a feeling. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm feeling things too. Um, but the, the the things I think that make you so solid are that um, I'm frequently wrong, and you'll tell me. <laughs> most people are not most people, but um, aside from my you know handful of friends, the outer the outer circle or people who aren't that close to me are terrified of me, and I get that, you know. Um, but you are, you've never been afraid to just tell me when I'm wrong and get me to think about things another way. Um, and so are you laughing? You I am. I'm, I'm laughing. Not me, well, for, yes, but a story which I will not share on air. But thank you. Also, just because <laughs> I, I laugh when you say people are scared of you. And it's just like, yeah, because you're scrappy, but girl, so am I. So if we need to, if we need to square up, we can do that. But at the end of the day. And you really, is. you really approach it like that. You really approach it like that. And I think that that's hilarious. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so. Uh, the other thing is that not only are you honest with me and you know when you have to kind of stand your ground and toughen up against to tell me that I need to change something, you also can tell when I'm needing a more gentle touch. And I think that comes with really knowing a person. Um, you mentioned uh, a serious moment we had earlier. Um, we've had some really serious moments of needing to support each other through hard times. And so, um, yeah, so you... I that's what makes you a solid friend to me, but I'm wondering what are your major keys to being a solid friend? Honestly, I think it's very similar to what you've said is that, I mean, being a solid friend to me is, is really three main components. There's consistency firstly. And I don't mean, I don't mean consistency as in we have to talk every day. Like I, we're, we have lives and you know, a lot of my mm -hmm. friends have kids, you included. And, um, it, it just, you know, we, we have lives. So I don't mean consistency as in being able to talk every day. I mean, consistency as in you show up when it matters, you show up when it matters. Yeah. So it does not matter if I have gone a week, a month, a year, whatever, without physically seeing you. I know if I, if something were to really happen and I were to need to call someone for support, I know that my friend would be there. I know that you would be there. And that's huge to me. Mm -hmm. um, the second one is yeah. unafraid to tell you the hard truths. That's something else that you hit on. Uh, I am, I am very yeah, loud and true. sometimes I am very wrong. And like you <laughs> being someone who is, who tries to exude, you know, confidence and certainty. So thank you for letting me know that it's working because I'll be wondering. It's working, girl. You're doing great. You're doing but great. <laughs> for someone who tries to exude that, it's, it's, I think sometimes the people who you encounter become sort of yes people. And it's very important hmm. to have those people that sit you down and remind you like, girl, I knew you when you were X, Y, and Z or whatever. And can really tell you about yourself and really check you in a way that is honest, but also not hurtful. Mm -hmm. Right. In a way exactly. that you can receive because a stranger can't sit me down and tell me exactly. anything. Right. And, yeah. and For finally, sure. I would say just really, really a sense of openness, openness and, and being able to hear without judging. And I think that's a hard yeah. one for us, especially when as black Definitely. women, especially as black women who were brought up in the church, the traditional black church, there are a lot of things that we had to unlearn. 
And um, I think being able to hear each other without judging each other while still being able to be honest with our responses, that's huge Mm -hmm. for me. That's hard. It is. It is, which makes it all the more valuable, I think. Totally. Yeah, I would agree with that, too. Yeah. Well, Shannon, those are all the questions I have for you. And I really do thank you for coming on here and doing with this with me. I don't appreciate you making me get a couple of tears in my <laughs> eyes, but <laughs> I'm so glad that we could have this conversation and I hope that other people can benefit Thank from you it. so much for having me. I love you so much and I'm just so I love happy you too. that you had me on. And uh, yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. All right. Bye. Well, good talking Bye. to you. Bye.